Today on the show, I'm joined by CEO and founder of Culture Coworking, Andrew Whitaker. Andrew, thanks for joining me. How are you keeping? I'm doing good, Dave. Thank you very much for the invitation. Delighted to be here. No problem, no problem. So you are in the whole atmosphere of coworking, uh, like a digital hub, a working space, networking, getting people together. Um, what, what, got you in, what got you into that in the first place? Well, I suppose just a bit about my, my background, uh, I had 18 years working in the motor trade in a family company. Um, and I kind of worked in various different areas. And about July 2017, kind of that time, I was thinking, look, you know, I'd like to go out my own, kind of start my own business. And I said, what can I do? Because when you're in the motor trade, like a lot of what you do is, is quite specific to the industry. So mm. I kind of went, okay, what's out there? And I, I started looking at different um, industries and, and I came across former co-working and I said well look there doesn't seem to be anywhere really out there for someone like myself who you know mid-30s with a young family needs somewhere to kind of go um, flexible to work you know the parking is a big thing as well the work-life balance because when I was in a motor trailer some months I was working six days a week the work-life balance might have been a bit skewed so I said there's got to be people who need the same thing as me and you know the nine-to-five job it, the concept is pretty much gone now. And I think certainly since pandemic, we've seen that it, it's, it's, I don't think we really see, we'll, we'll really see it coming back. Um, so I figured, look, there's gotta be something like that out there. I thought the concept of it was a good one. Um, did all the wrong things in no market research or anything like that. Um, I, I met a few people who had co-working spaces and got chatting to them and, and what they were saying was kind of what I, I thought worked. But, you know, the other guys out there, I suppose, Every co-working space is different. So I said, look, culture will be targeted maybe more the the young families, people like the 30 plus kind of professionals and stuff like that. Um, make sure we 24-7 access, free parking on sites with the shower facilities put in as well. So it's really designed what I think that people kind of our age would, would need. Um, and then got lucky very much with the location my, my brother-in-law mentioned that um, someone he knew was in the kind of the uh, office industry. So I met um, Dermot in the park here. He showed me the location. It ticked all the boxes. And, and it was somewhere I hadn't really thought about beforehand. But it, it, it's, it's funny just that um, by pure luck, I came across here. And, and, and when, you, when you mentioned the motor trade, we'll come back to that in a minute. But is there a connection, actually? Did I read somewhere there's a connection with your building? Um, there's a history behind your building as well, isn't there, where you are? Yeah, there is. It's funny. Um, it's the old Ford plant. Right. So, um, like the Marina Park is either the Ford buildings or the Dunlop building. So we're in the Ford building. Mm. We think we're probably in one of their power centres because there's um, uh, holes in the roof where they used to have the, the pulleys going up and down. Right. So it's, it's a list of building ourselves in the Rebel City distillery next door. We're in the old uh, plant and this great history and it, it's funny going back to the motor trade that the, we used to be four dealers in, in Johnson and Parrot so you know the, all the connection and keep, keep, and keep it close as they say <laughs> yeah and 
one of my neighbors here, they were next to us in Emma Place and Johnson and Parrott. So it's funny how things just kind of keep, um, you know, the, the cycle keeps repeating itself as, as well. So, so you mentioned the the motor trade side of things. You worked the family business, but seeing what you, you worked from everything from IT sales, managerial positions into the marketing side of things. You kind of worked across a broad range. How yeah. was that a natural development, or was that you know I kind of think you kind of ended up was it more so in the actual kind of the marketing end of things? Was that where you were naturally drifting towards, or was it somewhere you were focused on going towards? Well, I, I suppose what happened is um. I had my base degree in BIS and DIT industries. And when I finished that, I went off to Australia to work for Avis and Budget for about a year okay. over there. So then when I came back, you know, it's a family business and it was kind of, how are we going to bring you into the company? Uh, what's the best kind of education you can get? I had been working on and off the company over Christmas and uh, summer, so I knew the various different departments. And, and really it was kind of a, a plan for me to learn as much about the business as possible. So came back, started off working three months in Avis Dublin Airport, renting cars, got to know that business very well. Then moved into the uh, fleet department in Avis, which is where we manage all our kind of unloading and offloading of the fleet. Moved into the accounts department to get more experience there. Then moved into the IT department, which is in line with, with, um, with my background you know, from the uh, from base degree. Mm -hmm. And then after two years in IT, we kind of look at and say, like I ultimately wanted to go into the, the motor dealerships side of things. Um, and it was like, how do we do that? Um, you know, so the marketing manager role kind of came up, moved in there, didn't have much experience on the marketing side. So it's very much learning on, on the job and going to different courses. Um, then that kind of morphed into uh, John Kelleher was a sales manager in Mount Point and he kind of took me under his wing and trained me on basically how to run a dealership and mm. Then when John retired, I moved into his position. And then 2013, my own father retired after 48 years in the business. And I moved over to selling legal principal role in Douglas. So then I spent the last five years in, in that role. And really, it, it was great that I had so much knowledge. I pretty knew everybody in the company, which was kind of unusual for um, like the very senior people because I'd worked with them. Um, and then you know everything is interlinked like we have a fleet department we have a we had a car our company we have a van rental and then the dealership so the fact that you knew how all the pieces worked gave you a great help um like even our man point dealership when i was in the it department i wired all the cable up there so i knew exactly how everything <laughs> worked and, and yeah. then i was back trying to sell cars from it so it's um yeah. it's funny how things work out and then when you said you kind of you know you were learning the marketing role on the job and you were kind of falling into that role how difficult was that like you know how what kind of i suppose when you were doing it was it was digital strong or was it a lot more traditional side of things you know obviously you kind of you think the more industry you think car sales it is still a lot focused on especially i suppose when you look at the like the, the brands i suppose of the cars they focus a lot on the traditional side of things so you'll still see the, the adverts on tv or you'll see the ads in the newspapers were you looking at that area or were you starting to morph maybe into a bit more digital that was still very strong so i came to work manager by 2007 but, okay so um, just when kind of the social was starting to yeah. come about yeah yeah like one of the first people courses i went on was paul smith i don't know if you remember him from the that's 24 right. stories conference yeah 
Yeah. And Paul made a great saying at the conference. He said, there's no such thing as a good marketer. He said, there's only people who are less bad than the others. Affected. Okay. Like he kind of got in there, it's trial by error, you know, um, and then he introduced things to me like um, Google AdWords and analytics, and they were very much in the infancy. And then that worked, tied in very well with kind of my experience of the IT side of things. So kind of coming you, out you, you were able to get your head around the, yeah. the back end of the, the platforms, yeah. Yeah, like coming at it from a marketing, but from the IT perspective, that, that worked very well. And then it, it was like, you know, he broke it down quite simply. And it's just basically about just trying to get people into the into the dealerships. And you learn off and off in the manufacturers. They have a load of courses. So you go up there and and at the same time, everything was evolving. Like the paper was still very strong, you know, and you could put in this really colorful ad for a quarter page in the paper and spend a couple of thousand euros. And you get no response. But the best ad I put in was a small black and white ad for about 250 euros. And I sold eight cars so much simply because the message was right. You take the boxes. And once you kind of keep that for whether it's on social or it's, it's the traditional advertising, if you have the right message, it will sell. But we then we kind of looked at it. And, you know, unfortunately, 2009, the motor trade was devastated. Like we were about 65% down on the previous year's sales. We had a very difficult four years. So you had to learn to be kind of very smart in what you did. Um, we didn't have big budgets. Social and digital were very quantifiable. So you could look at it and say, yeah, I don't have this much money, but if I spend this money here, this should lead to X amount of leads. Or, you know, it was a very effective way of reaching people. And at the same time, not many dealerships were doing it. So we had a bit of a head start there. Um, so then we kind of kept on doing that as much as possible. But at the same time, I moved into a sales manager role in 2010. So there was a bit of overlap where keeper kind of costs low, each dealership was doing their own marketing. Um, we didn't have a marketing manager per se until 2014, I think is when we got a new one. So we all had to really pool our resources and you'd have, um, like say our Douglas dealership and our Mount Point dealership, we'd be kind of trying to work together and say, look, what could we do? A lot of that you'd be working at the manufacturers and they would give you funding, but you had you were kind of tied in terms of what you could advertise because it had to be in their their style and the guidelines that you were set up by the brands, yeah. 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 And that could be quite prohibitive depending on, on the manufacturer. Some were much easier than the others. Yeah. But really it's you know, you're trying to get people in to sit in front of a salesman and whatever way that, that works, you know, we that's we've great people like we, you feel confident when someone's in front of a salesman they'll buy the car your job is to get people to look at their website or to come in or make the phone call or send the email it's the same i suppose across a lot of industries like even mine i would have i would be more focused on like the food and the drink side of things um once you get people to taste the product the same like you know you kind of have them hooked you know so i would imagine even for culture it's the same if you can get someone down to see the building see what you can offer talk to them yeah. while they're down there you get them invested in 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 the in the whole without using the cliche around the whole culture of what you're doing you know and that and that's when you can hook them in i suppose so so going from being an employee for many years you know in the it industry working the family business uh going on to the motor industry what was the transition like becoming your own boss you know what was what was that transition like it was um times frightening you know, it's, I remember talking to someone and saying, look, 
I'm, I'm nervous, I'm scared at times. And they said, well, if you're not, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. You know, fear is good. Fear will focus you. You, you have to, it can go wrong. Um, but there's also the excitement. And I, the, the biggest thing about having your own company is that you are your own boss in terms of your successes are your own, your, but your failures are your own. So you have control of your destiny. Um, and that was probably the one thing that I found in the, in the dealerships where I didn't always have control of my destiny. So, you know, I always wanted to be my own boss. I was always, you got the most out of me as, a, as an employee when you left me alone, yeah. you know, just gave me light kind of management. But this, like, so making the transition was, okay, I have this idea. And before I left, I was, I was leaving the family company. I was leaving a nice job. I was leaving the pension. Um, and I had to ask myself, will I regret not doing this? Or will I regret doing it? Like I said, I regret not doing it. You yeah. know, what's the worst that's going to happen? It fails. As they say, better better an ups than a what if. You know? yeah, that, yeah, that's it. Um, I'm sure some people thought I was absolutely mad, you know, leaving this, this very good company to go out into an industry where at the time, an awful lot of people hadn't heard of it. And I, I spent mm. most of my time explaining what it is. <laughs> because the pandemic, it, it's yeah. brought it much more into the public consciousness, but there's still times where I have to say, this is what we do. Um, and then when I remember walking out the door on my last day and I was like, okay, we have big deep breaths. <laughs> Will I turn around and go back in? <laughs> yeah. and, and it's a bit like when I was a marketing manager, I had an idea of a way to do it, but I didn't really know how I was going to do it. Yeah. You, you know, you, you maybe had things that you said, okay, I'll get this done. I'll, I'll get this done. I'll get the website up. I'll, I'll get the social media things. It was all step by step. And, by doing small pieces, you know, you got towards where you needed to be. You'd learn so much. Um, and like, I suppose I was very lucky that I had so many people I could turn to that were, you know, would help me and give me advice, whether it's the accounting side, the legal side, or how to even get the, you know, get the business registered. And I managed to get business registered myself. And that was a great achievement. I know it's nothing, but at least it was like, I have created this company. It now actually officially exists. Yeah, there were little ticks and little goals along the way. And, yeah. and, and when you were coming, you know, when you made the decision, when you were coming up to the end of your journey, were you, were you already kind of starting, you know, were you, were you buying furniture? Were you, were you setting up the place or did you literally walk out the door and then start all that process? Or were you kind of, did you have a lot of it up and running before you walked out? Um, I suppose I, I probably started work in, I found the premises in February, 2018. Mm-hmm. And I really started kind of work then. And then I said, look, you know, I knew I'd be kind of finishing up maybe mid-2018. I hadn't told my employers at the time, but that was my own timeline. Yeah. Um, in the meantime, I had actually done a six-week start your own business course up in uh, the, with Eamon Curtin. And uh, that was very good. So, you know, I had the business plan created. And I kind of went, right. You know, you either, um, that was probably the last point of no return. I could have looked at business plan and said, this isn't going to work or... You have the business plan, you go through with it. So then I made the decision. I spoke to like the park here, said, Yeah, I'm gonna take the units, this is what we're gonna do. And then I got people in, we started work in terms of um converting it because it may not look about where we are is an ex gym as well. Um okay. so to put carpet in, heating, glass in the windows, we do build bathrooms and stuff, we to knock um some areas, we just really open the place up. Um, and then the furniture people were actually in the park as well, CGM, and they was great uh, meeting those guys. 
and they designed everything. Um, Kubri did the, the branding. Um, and then also we we're like we we're lucky that the kitchen area was done on site. So one good thing about being in the park is that everything I needed was here pretty much. Mm. It is. It's so, a fantastic location. I've I've been involved with a business that worked down there as well. And as you said, yeah, there is. You have everything from the diner over the road to you know, as you yeah. said, you know, you have neighbors there, like the likes of Rebel Distillery, you have the bike company over the road. You know, uh, there's a, a workshop there, a woodworking workshop. You know, there's kind of yeah, spaces next door to us. Like, yeah, so you, you all always, and when you're coming in, that if you're using like the local businesses in the park, you know, you're almost becoming part of the community already because they're getting to know you and you're generating goodwill by working with um, good people. Like, and it, it's just, it makes it much easier. If you have a problem, the guys are straight away. Mm. Very good. And so you got up and running then, I think it was around mid 2018 then. So when, when you talk about culture and, you know, the co-working side of things, where did this, where did, where did the word culture come from? I suppose it, it's really, um, you know, probably not a very firm believer in how people should be treated. Okay. Whether like everything is about people in every company, like in JMP, you know, we had people that worked with us for about 40 years. Mm. And, you know, you need to look after the people you work with. You need to look after the people that you have your, who are your customers. So you need to have the right culture. You, you, you know, I want a culture to be a place for everybody to be very open. Um, to be a warm, friendly, but professional environment. And I've worked in some places before where it's not like that. And I know how difficult it is for people. So like what I wanted with the culture was very much to be, we're open to everybody and try and reflect my own personal views and, um, and how business should be conducted. Um, and it was just, a, kind of stuck really it's re it's really interesting you know hearing it from from someone that's in the position like yourself because when we hear so much about you know corporate culture and you know company culture or whatever uh being set up by the hr team or or the the, the you know you might have the sports and recreation team might be looking after some of the stuff it's unusual i suppose from your point of view because i will come along and i would take a desk from you and you know technically i'm not technically i'm not part of your company or you're not involved in my company i'm literally just there to do my job but what's actually nice is hearing that no matter what, you're still part of a community. You're still part of, you know, as you said, the, the culture within that company. So it's even though it's technically not your, you know, you might have someone that works for another company using the space in your building. But yet they're coming in. They're part of your company culture as well. That's actually a really nice thing to kind of hear that you're you're trying to build something that doesn't not, not that necessarily doesn't have to exist, but it's making it a nice atmosphere to work in. It, yeah, and like a co-working space is only as good as the community and the people that's, that's in there. Mm. You, you know, if you take the people out, all it is is desks and offices. Mm. It, it's You're really trying to build it, um, you know, and if you look at the bigger scheme, like co-working is a huge part to play in kind of the economy of Cork. You know, we, we need to be there to provide the facility for people who, um, like we get people who drop their kids to school, come in here for four or five hours and then collect their kids. And they have a really good quality of life. You know, they have the nice separation between work and home, but they're able to spend time with their, their kids. They're able to be very productive at work. And that's a, that's a nice thing to be part of. And I suppose we have a couple of house rules, but the main one is just be nice and respectful of everybody. You know, and the thing about offering free, free trial, trial days or having people come in is that some people wouldn't like to come into culture. 
because it might just not fit what they're looking for and vice versa some people go to other co-working spaces and it doesn't fit them but yet they love the atmosphere of culture so you there's no point forcing someone in to say they're they're not quite happy here because you want them to stay you want them to be part of the community long term you want to get to know them and you want the other members to get to know them as well and like we've had some really good christmas parties we've had some nice social events and you get to know everybody in here um and then formally like you kind of become almost like a sounding board at times like people will talk to you about you know what do you think about this or they'll talk to other members who are either experts in that field or just going through the same challenges like because you know we do tend to have the same problems whether at work or startups so particularly when you're on your own it can be quite lonely so if you can come in here and you can talk to someone and say look i'm having a problem with this what do you think and get their feedback and i think that that's one of the huge benefits i do see of of spaces like yours and um, you know when you're getting a room full of people with such a vast variety of skills and experiences that you're able to bounce off the person next to you and throw the ideas out and um, you know they might have no experience whatsoever and sometimes that's even better they might have no clue of what you're talking about because it might be something heavy involved in tech or it um but to be able to bounce a simplistic idea off someone and get a little bit of feedback or you might get a nugget of information that might spin your business or what you're working on in a whole other way and i think that's to me that's the huge benefit of co-working spaces um, is that kind of camaraderie around whether it's you know there's kind of a stereotype i suppose in terms of that's that co-working space is all about startups you know it's a lot of people that are in startups but but from what you're mentioning it's not startups it's 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 further down the line is kind of a lot of the people you might attract that they're literally as you said they're kind of working they're already working they're just looking for a better space to work yeah like that's it you, you know you're trying to take the question of where do I work today out of people's heads mm. you know they they want to go to culture that, that's their base whether if they're not in the office if not at home they're going to go to culture because they like going to culture they like the people in there and that kind of formalize the, the support and the community we have like we, we've created a mentoring program which is that everybody can avail of this they can we have a panel of experts and so they have specific accounting questions they can talk to them they can work away with it's it's really trying to provide support to to our community um, and that's something we, we try very hard because you know when we haven't had the physical community it's like how do we create the online community how do we keep people still connected to culture how do we provide services and help people because this year everybody's had a, a horrific 12 months like you know so it's about trying to help people and like a lot of people helped me to get to where i am and I'm trying to do the same to help other people, you know, because that's the way, the way it works. And there's a great community in Cork like that where people will help each other. And, and you know, we got to know each other through um, to like Stephen and, and what he's done and other communities like that. And, you know, we are a village. Mm. So I think like, I think talking there about like, yeah, anytime I would have met you was probably at some sort of a networking event somewhere, whether it was yeah. Stephen's or something else that was happening somewhere. Um, how important is it for you know when when you when you look at say like a business owner they've 101 things going on every day but how important is it for them maybe to to put a little bit of time aside to go to some sort of an event or networking or get involved in the local business community as you're saying there like you know for the last 12 months that's all kind of been thrown up in the air because you know a lot of it now is maybe online or it's just not happening at all so 
you know, it's kind of maybe it'll start coming right in the next couple of months again. But but how important is that for someone to get involved in the business community locally? I think it's hugely important for people, like um, particularly with the last 12 months, because, you know, the virtual meetings, the virtual networking could be the only real form people of interaction that people have yeah. outside of their family or their, you know, their immediate team. So it's to get that interaction. And it's like networking for me is really about building relationships. I know that sounds a bit of cliche, but it's not about just how many business cards you have or how many you give out. Mm. It's just simply talking to someone. And if you talk to someone, you'll probably find you have something in common. You get to know the person. You're not going to make a sale, but down the line, you know, you, you may come across and say, oh, actually, I know that person would be very good for you. You have a problem with your, say, your website. That person's excellent. I can yeah. make an introduction for you if you like. Or vice versa, they might do the same thing for you. And it's, and you also, you learn from everybody, you know, that you meet. And you can be so, it's not easy. It's, it's hard in a room to go introduce yourself to the strangers. I find it even harder to do with Zoom. Mm. Um, but you have to do it. And everybody's in the same boat. And, you know, no one's going to say, I don't want to talk to you. Be like, yeah. it's, <laughs> it's just, just make the effort, get out there. And networking is, is two strands. Like, you, you know, you have the side where you're trying to get business from. Yeah. But also from what every business owner or, or everybody really has gone through, the support is there. Like you could be having a really, really tough day, a really, really tough week, and you could be worried about your business or whatever. And if you're in the right community, you can say, I'm having a really bad week. And someone else will say, I am too. And you can talk about it. And you like, you probably feel a bit better instead of keeping this inside and saying, oh, nobody else feels this. But you realize that most of the people have the same problems, the same challenges, and are there to help. And, and I think that's how good community, communities, good networking has become so important mm. over an event like this. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how it, it works between the physical events and then the virtual events, you know. Yeah. The transition back is going to be very, yeah. very interesting. Yeah. yeah. Some communities, um, like the virtual, they've managed to open up and they have people from outside of Cork and interaction. And they've got to know them. You, How are you going to keep them engaged when you're having the physical events? Because we still want that physical, like... Um, so that that's me. I'm going to watch that with great interest to see how people do that. Mm. Um, going back, so so you talked there about um, when you were setting up culture, there was you know you you had to explain to people what what the hell uh, a few desks in a room with a couple of sockets and and really yeah. good internet and free parking was. But as you said, you know the last twelve months has has really kind of paved way for for your type of business. Um, when you were initially coming up with the idea for culture, you said you kind of done a bit of research and stuff like that. Where were you looking at? You know, where were you basing your model off? Was it was it happening somewhere else? You know, and, and you were kind of trying to adapt it here. Um, I suppose it, it, it's one thing in the motor trade. You 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 always kind of look to the future. You're watching trends and see what's happening. And I could see the generation coming up after me. Um, and also, I kind of felt that, look, you know, I wanted a better work-life balance, so I couldn't be alone. I, I took a gamble on that, that there would be more people like that. Mm. Um, I thought this would happen maybe five years down the line. You know, I didn't think it would happen so soon. Um, and like all this stuff, we don't really know what it's going to look like, the future remote working. But I think that what we know for certain is that people need to have the choice. Mm -hmm. um, 
if you want to keep your good people in the company, if you want to attract even good people as well, you have to allow the choice. Some people want to go back to an office because of, I love that, you know, it's what they do. Some people love to stay at home. I think what will become the most common is the hybrid working where people will be office two days a week. They might be here for a couple of days or they might be at home for one or two days, but they have the flexibility to be where they need to be depending on, on say their family circumstances. And if I always kind of thought that with culture and the way I have been kind of brought up by my father to, to, to manage people was that you give people leeway, you trust people. Mm. And if you empower people and allow them to, to kind of work their hours, you get that loyalty back and you get the productivity back. And I felt that was the way we were going anyway in every industry where, you know, treat people like adults. If you can't trust um, your people to, to do the job remotely, you have one or two problems. Like you, your first problem is your hiring policies are wrong. Like you're, you're hiring people that are, yeah. aren't getting the job. Or secondly, and this is probably the worst one, you have trust issues. Mm. You, you know, and, and people know that when they're not trusted. Like I, I heard stuff where people, the horror stories about putting cameras at people's homes to make sure they're working. <laughs> Where are you going yeah. with that? Like, I did. That? I did. I actually was only talking to someone recently, and she's she's working in. Um, it's not a big corporate company, you know. It's it's but it's a decent sized company, but a small team. And the boss was was, you know, Zoom calling or video calling or whatever, at least every hour, but for no particular reason, just to make sure that they're sitting at a computer over the last few months while they're working at home, you know. Um, and and it's not good for your mental health really either, you know, to have that. Yes. And like what I find with the people who are allowed to work remotely from the first time I opened up, they were so grateful to their company and they were so determined to make it work and to be to show that it was a great decision that they worked so hard and so uh, productive and they loved the company. They're really loyal to it. And they were like, thank you so much for this. I really appreciate it. So if you give that to people, yeah, it's a no brainer. And I think when it comes now to, so as you said there, some of the bigger companies might open up opportunities for, you know, maybe they might rent a desk off you or they might rent a room off you or places like you, you know, and they basically say, look, there's a desk there for you. Whenever you need it during the week, we'll operate an internal booking system or whatever it yeah. is. Do you know, I think opening up these opportunities is, a, is going to be, is going to be definitely a positive out of the pandemic. I think. Like we have that facility ready to go. We have an app. You download the app. You can authorize the people you want to have access to the app. They can book a desk, a meeting room through the app. They come in, no payment. Then at the end of the month, we send them an itemized bill with, with what your, your people have paid for. Yeah. Like So that it's all ready to go. It's just, you, you know, once we come out of, I'm not too sure what level we're at now, but once we come out of this lockdown and people can go back to normal, like, I'm sure other spaces will be the same. We're ready to go. Like yeah. We're very flexible. You're, you're made, you were made for it. Yeah. Yeah. Designer what people will need in the future. Mm. Um, like personally, I do feel the need for co-working spaces is definitely going to increase. And I, I and have you got any plans? Like, what's the next kind of plans? I suppose for culture or the company or, or your own plans. What what are you kind of looking towards now? Well, I, think, I suppose we are looking to expansion. Like we're looking mm. to grow. Um, the last 12 months have been very difficult, but we view it as short-term pain for long-term gain. And and it's looking to, you know, do we expand in like current location? Do we expand to different locations around the country? I think there's going to be a huge element of partnerships between uh, 
different hubs and also with the government because the hubs are a key part of like the government's you know revitalizing the uh, the country like the let's say the rural towns that network also with the low emission um, low carbon emission future that they want you know we're all part of that and we have a great role to play in it and and like if you look at say Ireland the quality of life we have you, you know if you set up a good hub in the right city you'll keep people there you don't who would normally would have emigrated or moved to say Dublin or wherever but you'll also attract people to come in you know and you know in Cork 30 minutes you're at a lovely beach and you have that yeah. quality of life and also we've a couple of recruitment companies here and they're seeing how there's a massive um, expansion in terms of talent they can access you know, they're accessing people outside of Ireland who are bringing new skills for Irish companies and, and we're benefiting and vice versa. Like people who are now working for large American companies, Chinese companies, they traditionally would have had to go to the States or to China. Now they can work here. So the whole the potential for it is, is massive. And it, it's really, I see culture uh, working, uh, growing, hopefully to different locations. Uh, working in partnerships with, with, with different bodies. Um, I think the government will come up with a very joined up plan because like one thing I have said before is that you people have come out and say the Ignite, the Rubicon programs, after their programs, where do they go? You, you, yeah. you know, the next couple of years after they, they've had they, their they can't, they can't afford to take out a business. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, so or there should be a- Premises, I should say, yeah. Like there should be a strategy where you finish the program, there is a, a, a panel of hubs, depending on what you need, then you go to that hub and your support for maybe the next two years to really give your business a chance to go and it, it benefits everything like the cost of what that would, would for the government or whatever you know in terms of potential rewards it is it, it's it makes perfect sense i think to do that and you know we, we need to kind of we produce like great startups i mean great people here and like particularly the last couple of years like have you seen what, what's come out of cork mm. Where the the next group of these guys are here, let's support them. Yeah. Let's spend the extra couple million, whatever it needs to do, um, but just we'll see how big they can go. Like we have, like they could stripe. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, doing yeah. fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Like and then you mentioned you mentioned there about um, developing, like maybe looking at cities and you know people looking at cities here or sorry coming to the city here in Cork, but. I really think another avenue that's really come out of this is it's not good. Co-working spaces, I don't think, is going to be confined to a city anymore. Yeah. I think, like, like realistically, we will have, like, commuter towns um, or even further afield, like, you know, literally, you know, some smaller villages. You no, know, you might not need the big of a hub that you might have in, in a city space, but I feel if you're doing remote working, a little hubs in and around towns, commuter towns, I think they they... That, that that's a model as well that's probably we're probably going to see starting to develop in the next few months 12 months yeah it, it definitely uh, and there's huge scope there like you only have to look at Skibreen and the Ludgate Club yeah. and see what, what a group of very committed people have achieved there so you know if that model can be replicated in other places which I know there's it can the potential for those those areas like um the rural villages and towns yeah you just need a small hub but if you create a hub and people go there what's going to come out of it you, like the interactions you know businesses might be created people bump into each other have an idea they share ideas uh, but there's also creates another sense of community there um like uh, the stuff about the pubs 
it, it, it'd be interesting to see if that how that works. But you know, it, it's thinking outside the box, mm. and that's what we need. But, and then to kind of like you look at places in Spain where they have hundreds of hubs linked up for in kind of rural parts of, of the country, and they're all connected, and it's like a combination of like a public-private partnership, and there's the sharing of ideas and someone goes to one hub if they need to go if they're in the other part of the country they can go into that hub with their membership like we're kind of doing something similar with the Atlantic economic corridor on, coming down the west coast of ireland mm. and i can see us all joining up in some way where like the independent hub said if you know you join you'll have a number of hubs that you can go to with your membership and stuff like that where we can revitalize the irish like the towns which is Vitally important, but there's a huge market in digital nomads, and and what about bringing them into these areas, you know, and, and bring their skills, their expertise. That that's the future. Yeah, no, I think you're right, Andrew. I'm going to wrap it up there. If people want to find out more about what you do and what culture is all about, where where can they find out more? Um, it's the easiest is like LinkedIn, connect me LinkedIn or Facebook, um, Twitter, Instagram. Or email me and your culture coworking.ie or even call in when you can for a coffee when we're out of this pandemic. Like come in any day, I'll show you around, just gonna have for a chat. Yeah, that's what we are. We're we're open to everybody. Um, but email me or connect to LinkedIn is probably the best place to, to make contact. Great, perfect. Andrew, thanks very much for joining us. Um I'm sure there's loads there. I'm after getting loads myself about the whole um what what a culture means in a co-working space which is fantastic so uh, thanks again for joining us and um, take care thank you very much David